Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, June 29th. We begin with a conversation surrounding artificial intelligence, specifically whether AI can play a role in the fight against climate change. We tackle the topic with David Rolnick, a professor of computer science at McGill University. Next, we hear the personal story of one man's journey to spread awareness surrounding Parkinson's disease, a journey that will take him coast to coast. We catch up with Jim Redmond, the man behind the Spinning Wheels bike tour. And finally, it's a chance to get out and hear some toe-tapping live music just in time for the weekend. We chat with John Pittman of the Heavyweights Brass Band, who will be performing on Canada Day at the Ironwood Stage and Grill, part of the 2022 YYC Jazz Fest. How can we align artificial intelligence with climate change mitigation. With Insight, we are joined by Dr. David Rolnick, Assistant Professor of Computer Science at McGill University. Uh, Very good morning to you, Professor. It's great to be joining you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, First of all, uh, let's talk about artificial intelligence for those folks. And I think when we use a term like AI and just shorten it, you think, oh, what are we talking about AI? Are we talking about robots or are we talking about computer minds? We're mostly talking about things that are pretty unflashy. AI basically just means any computer algorithm that's optimizing or forecasting or predicting stuff. And most of those things are pretty basic. Um, and they certainly don't seem like, you know, the intelligence of people. Okay. All right. So we bottom lining that. We're not talking the Jetsons or iRobot at this point. Uh, what? We're nowhere near <laughs> okay. that. There's no way we can make that now. <laughs> Oh, but don't you remember in the 60s, 70s, and 80s? Hey, we were going to be having our flying cars by now, Professor, but not the case. We digress. Uh, So when we talk about our artificial intelligence and climate change, what is the connection here between the two? Yeah, so there are a lot of different connections. First of all, uh, there is just direct energy use from computing, but that's relatively small by comparison to what computing is enabling us to do. So AI does have emissions associated with the, the, the computation, but AI is also being used to, to accelerate a lot of activities. And some of those things are making climate change better and some of those are making climate change worse. And some of those we don't really know. And a big takeaway here um, from a recent report is just that we need to be doing a better job to quantify all these different kinds of effects um, and understand more about all of them. Um, some of the ways that you know AI is being applied in ways that are making climate change better, like optimizing energy usage in buildings, factories, so there's less energy being used, less greenhouse gas emissions. But then AI is also being used to do things like accelerate the exploration uh, and extraction of, of new fossil fuels, um, and that's definitely making climate change worse. And then there are things that are sort of more complicated, like AI is being used to accelerate. Um, consumption by uh, having AI-enabled advertising systems that are really are really getting people to, to buy more. And that's probably increasing the amount that we consume quite a lot. It's just very hard to measure. Uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be trying to assess it, though, because ultimately these new technologies are really reshaping the way that the world works, just maybe doing so under the hood in ways that we, we, we can't tell. I mean, often, often we have the ability to shape these new technologies and decide really like how we are, what we're prioritizing in terms of you know, different impacts on society. A good example there is with self-driving cars. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing AI increasingly being used in autonomous driving systems. And if these are being deployed in personal vehicles, they'll probably end up you know, helping people drive more. Um, they may make driving a bit more safe, but people will probably end up driving more. Whereas if self-driving car technology is actually being used also in you know, public transportation and freight, that could help uh, help accelerate lower carbon transportation options. So really thinking about the way we build, we build our new uh, technologies in a way that's cognizant of climate impacts, along with other kinds of societal impacts. I'm speaking with Professor David Rolnick, uh, Professor of Computer Science at McGill University. Something you touched on, which is AI, uh, you know, propelling advertising, for example, that makes commercialism, you know, move maybe a little faster or bring products to people, you know, in a different light on social media, for example. Is this a case because AI is so relatively new that uh, this is an issue or this is something that we've never had to tackle before, looking at the climate footprint and the connection between climate change and AI because it moves so quickly? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we see this a lot with new technologies in general, but by the time we're seeing their effects, it's already been happening for a while. Everything's moving so fast. We really want to to get out ahead and think consciously about how we're designing these systems. Because often the, the engineers are just like, oh, well, is this a cool thing that we can do? Will it make some money? But not thinking necessarily in terms of the broader effects on society. And not that we shouldn't be thinking about cool things that we can do or making money, but we should be thinking about them in conjunction with the effects on society. We're talking about this, of course, you're from McGill University. We're talking about this perhaps from a Canadian perspective, but when we move it beyond our borders, where are we with the usage of AI maybe compared to other countries? And where are we with with the knowledge of AI, AI compared to other countries? Canada is one of the, the global leaders in, in AI development um, and deployment across a lot of different sectors. So we really are in a position to be thinking carefully about how we're choosing to develop these technologies, the kinds of regulations that are enabling and facilitating AI. Um, and I think we're seeing that increasingly at the, at the, the federal and provincial levels, that there is a priority being given to thinking about AI technologies. But hopefully we can be thinking about them with climate impacts in mind both positive and negative. What about careers in artificial intelligence, uh, uh, Professor? Is, is this something that we have enough uh, education coming forward and, and promoting this sort of education or career to the uh, high school-age kids, for example? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that high school-age kids should immediately be learning about AI because there's a lot that's really n- needed before one dives into that. And ultimately, I think the, one of the things that, that the themes that we can see from this, this kind of... Um, this kind of look at AI and climate is that we need to be educating people not just about how to build technology, mm-hmm. but how to use it and when to use it at all. Because in many cases, we don't necessarily want to be using AI. In a lot of cases, we do. But I think the teaching from an early age sort of how to think rigorously about these technologies is maybe like even more important. It needs to be done in parallel with how to build these technologies. You don't want a lot of people with hammers and no, you know, yeah. not knowing when to use a hammer. Well, I guess I should rephrase it. I mean, when you know, for example, I've got a high school kid. She doesn't know what she wants to do with her life, uh, not what sector of university or technical school to go to. Uh, but we're presenting this as a career path that kids can go into university and post-secondary to learn about because it could have a future. It definitely, it definitely is a, like a major career option now, increasingly so. Um, I think that kids... Programming increasingly is a really important tool for, for kids to be learning. And I think that thinking, kids thinking about what they want to do with these kinds of tools 
um, what problems they want to be solving, whether those are you know, major major engineering or industrial problems, or whether those are problems re- you know directly impacting climate change. That's something that, that my group does actually, which is using AI to to help fight climate change in a lot of different applications. But there are a lot of ways to use these tools. And I think that that kind of motivation can really help people think in terms of why they would want to be learning something like programming or AI, since they can use it in healthcare or in other problems that they care about. Good points. Thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. That is Professor David Rolnick, Professor of Computer Science at McGill University. The Spinning Wheels Tour is a cross-Canada bicycle tour to raise awareness of Parkinson's disease and to end the stigma around Parkinson's. Joining us to discuss is Jim Redman, one of two Canadians biking from coast to coast. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good. Uh, Thank you for taking the time with us. Uh, Before we get into where you are and and the journey ahead of you, let's talk about your personal story. Uh, What is your connection to Parkinson's? Why are you passionate about it? And uh, how did this idea come to be? You know what? uh, So my connection to Parkinson's is that I I have it. uh, I'm 51 right now. I was diagnosed uh, about seven years ago. Uh, And one of the first things I I did was start to uh, cycle. Once I uh, once I received my diagnosis, someone sent me a video about the benefits of uh, of Parkinson's and cycling. So uh, and um, up to that point, I was not a cyclist at all. I would cycle about once a year, but uh, you know, I found that it really helps uh, alleviate or control my symptoms. Uh, makes me feel better. It gives me a sense of freedom, and uh, it's a great way to uh, see the countryside. So that uh, you know, so yeah, I've got Parkinson's. Uh, the other guy who's doing it with me, Steve Eisman, uh, he has Parkinson's as well. And then the uh, the two support people that we have, uh, Mike and Darlene Lagren. Uh Mike has Parkinson's. There are four of us in total. Three of us have Parkinson's. Uh, the person who's driving the RV doesn't. And uh, and we're making our way across the country. It's um, and you know what we how this idea all started. Uh, you know, I guess uh, every once in a while, someone will look at me and say, you're the one to blame for this. But it, it was my idea. We, uh, we just, we, there are many people with Parkinson's who go it alone and they don't have a sense of community uh, and they don't access any formal support or, or formal exercise programs. So we thought we would combine the two. We can show people the benefits of, of exercise and Parkinson's symptom control and we can try to reach as many people as we can uh, who have Parkinson's and let them know that there is a community out there that they can join and if they will, that we, their lives will become better. Okay, give us an update, Jim. I know you kicked off things uh, in Victoria on June 25th. Uh, where are you now in uh, your journey? How long is it expected to take uh, to hit your final destination? You know what? We're, we're planning to be in St. John's, Newfoundland uh, sometime in September. And right now I'm sitting in an RV park in Sunshine Valley, British Columbia. We're, uh, today's schedule is for uh, 115 kilometers to Princeton. Uh, and uh, there's a 16-kilometer climb along the way in that one. So that will be the, the longest climb I've ever done. Wow. Congrats and a tip of the hat to you. We're going to direct people to spinningwheelstour.ca. They get information about your journey, about Parkinson's. Can they, can they perhaps also donate to an organization? 
Absolutely. And you know what? We've, we've, uh, because we're going across the country, we've partnered with charities across the country. So, uh, the Parkinson's Association of Alberta is, uh, one of the charities that, uh, that you can, uh, choose to donate to. But, uh, you know, if you have family members of, uh, uh, suffering from Parkinson's across the country, you can choose another province that they might be in. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, and, uh, we're coming to Calgary on, uh, July 16th, North Glenmore Park. Uh, so if anyone wants to come down and, and see us and meet us and share their stories, we would love that. Yeah, I love that. I love the connection that you're, you're spreading awareness, but also raising funds locally for those people affected by Parkinson's. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Jim. And no problem. Thank you very much. We really appreciate the support. No problem. That is Jim Redmond, long-distance cyclist. And, of course, it's the Spinning Wheels Tour. As you mentioned, kicked off on the 25th of June. We'll be in Calgary on July 16th, North Glenmore Park. In the meantime, online, spinningwheelstour.ca. Well, here we go, Calgary. About to get a bit funkier. Joining us with details on their appearance at YYC Jazz Festival coming up is John Pittman from Toronto's Heavyweights Brass Band. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. Tell us about your sound and what makes it unique in the field of jazz, John. Um, well, <clears throat> our um, our group is a sort of New Orleans-inspired brass band. Um, so it's a bit funky. It's kind of like uh, um, sort of outdoorsy kind of parade music, um, a lot of funk, a lot of blues in the, uh, in the sound. Um, one of the things that's pretty unique about us as a uh, brass band is that a lot of um, traditional New Orleans style brass bands are, are quite large. It can be um, 10 to 15 people, but ours is a uh, uh, pretty tight-knit uh, uh, quintet. Uh, so it gives us a, a little bit of a different vibe and a little bit of a different sound uh, in that respect. What's it mean to you to be, uh, not that we're out of it completely, but to be on the other side of the pandemic and uh, be able to share your music live again? How does that feel? Oh, and, I mean, this is, uh, it's its so incredibly, like, it, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. And, um, and really, one of the things that's been on my mind uh, lately is um, we did recorded uh, an album recently called Stir Crazy, mm-hmm. and we recorded it uh, just before the pandemic started. It was actually um, just in March of 2020, just as the first bit of lockdowns were taking place. We were in the studio recording, and um, then we took forever, sort of getting it completed, just because of, of, of everything that went on with the pandemic. And uh, when we released the album, um, it was at a, uh, a club that we are very fond of in Winnipeg called Drawn Taberna. And just outside uh, of Drawn, there's a little sign that's attached to a um, that's attached to a tree outside that I that I noticed as I was heading into the to the club. And the sign uh, said, "This present moment used to be the unimaginable future," and that idea has been just resonating with me throughout this whole bit like it seems like we'd never get back out on the road again we'd never be playing live shows and things like that uh and to finally be back in that place is just uh it's so surreal but and just so amazing i can hear the emotion in your voice and uh, people can hear your sounds uh, because you are back at it at the ironwood stage and grill on friday thank you so much john we appreciate your time all the best to you and we'll be checking you out 
Sounds great. Thank you. That is John Pittman, musician with the Heavyweights Brass Band. Of course, Friday at the Ironwood Stage and Grill. All the details, everything you need to know at jazzyyc.com. Actually kicks off today right through to July 3rd, the TD Jazz YYC Summer Festival. And taking you out, here is Fake It by uh, the Heavyweights Brass Band. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.